0: Hi, I'm Kristen trafford Weisel, Case Manager at Dental Protection. Welcome to Risk Bites, a series of podcasts created specifically for dental practitioners in Australia. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high-quality dental care for your patients. We will be rolling out a mini-series within Risk Bites this year called The Tipping Point, These case discussions are intended to identify and explore the moment in time when a patient moves from being a disgruntled patient to actively becoming a complainant. In this edition, we're going to consider some cases where the tipping point related to an issue with consent, and I'm joined by my colleague, Dr. Annalene Weston. Hello, Kristen. Annalene. I think our listeners would understand that a valid consent is recognised to be a critical component of patient care.
1: Yeah, I agree. And for this tipping point, I wanted to share some cases that highlight this. In these instances, reflecting the common scenario of confusion around what the consent has actually been given for. Okay, so that sounds great. What's happened in case one? Well, in case one, Kristen, Dr. P had provided a treatment plan to Ms. Q involving mesiopalatal fillings for the 1-2 and 1-1. Ms. Q gave consent to proceed and Dr. P administered local anaesthetic and removed the caries. But when Dr. P went to place the fillings, he noticed a mesioincisal chip on the buccal surface of 1-2 and decided to fill that while he was there, at no charge and as a favour to the patient. Miss Q, however, was furious when she checked her appearance post-operatively and she demanded the filling be ground away. As somewhat surprised, Dr. P acquiesced, but was unable to take the tooth exactly back to its pre-treatment appearance. Miss Q lodged a complaint with ARPA alleging that Dr. P had treated her without consent and had made value judgments about her appearance. My goodness.
0: So are we going
1: to consider this one first or are we going to look at both cases together? I think we'll look at both together, Kristen, because they share common themes. Now, in our second case, Master L presented with his mother to see Dr. K complaining of a painful tooth number 36. Clinical and radiographical examination confirmed a badly broken down tooth, likely hypomineralized in the first instance. Dr. K outlined her findings, and it was agreed to extract 36. Dr. K gave an ID block, and the 36 was extracted uneventfully. Upon removal of the tooth, however, Dr. K noticed that tooth number 75 was mobile and 74 was over-retained, so Dr. K took the split-second decision to flick those teeth out while Master L was numb and at no charge to help. On completion of the treatment, Mrs. L became angry and tearful, and she accused Dr. K of butchering her son and left the clinic, as she wouldn't return any of their calls, inviting her in to discuss what happened. Now, Dr. K swiftly received a request for records from a solicitor, followed by a formal request for compensation for the psychological harm caused to Master L by the unnecessary extractions. So, Annaline, the first thing that jumps out at me
0: is that both of these cases, the dental practitioner had consent for planned treatment of the same sort of nature as the extra treatment that was undertaken. So
1: in case one, an anterior restoration, and in case two, extractions. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also important to note that neither practitioner performed the additional treatment with the intent to claim additional fees for the extra work done, so it wasn't a money grab, and both genuinely and legitimately believe themselves to be helping and acting in the patient's best interests. So why do you think these patients were so very angry? Well, essentially, Kristen, they were so very angry because they'd not been consulted prior to the change of plan or the undertaking of additional treatment. Both patients were conscious and had the capacity to give consent to any additional treatment required, or in case of the minor, his mother did. A failure to ask them if they wanted to proceed with the extra items did not recognise their autonomy and led to them feeling shocked, violated and demeaned. So I can see their point of view and I think that
0: understandably we may look upon these matters through the lens of clinicians with a thorough understanding that no harm was done and perhaps also understanding how the additional procedures could be deemed
1: beneficial and then we wonder what all the fuss is about. Yeah, we certainly could and it is important however to recognise that firstly the variation to the agreed treatment plan was not essential life-saving treatment. Next, the patients have the right to accept and decline treatment, regardless of our recommendations or our opinions. And thirdly, by failing to consider all of this in the heat of the moment, and regardless of how well-intentioned they may have been, both Dr. P and Dr. K provided treatment without consent. Yes. So where is it that was the tipping point? The tipping point, Kristen? Well, Ms. Q and Mrs. L were broadly happy with the planned treatment both understood that the planned treatment was provided appropriately and to an acceptable standard. The tipping point here was the failure of the practitioners to ask whether the patients agreed to or even actually wanted the additional treatment. This perceived lack of respect triggered both patients to escalate the matter to a higher party. So what was the outcome for these practitioners,
0: Annalene? The patient or parent escalated the complaints quite quickly, in one case to APRA and in case two to a lawyer. So many of our listeners would be wondering, is this normal?
1: Yeah, of course, and it certainly can be. Although remember, many patients do often give the practitioner the opportunity to make right with them before they escalate like this. In these matters, however, the complete outrage of the patient or parent led to this escalation. So regarding case one, Dr. P acknowledged to Oprah that they had erred by not asking Ms. Q if she wanted to have that chip filled, and they apologized to Ms. Q for any distress this had caused. Now, Dr. P also undertook some targeted CPD and consent and ethics and showed true insight to Arpra about how Ms. Q felt, acknowledging that this chipped incisor formed part of Ms. Q's smile and her self-identity. Arpra reviewed the matter and dismissed it issuing Dr. P with a caution, which as you and I both know is, look, you could have done better. And I I think Dr. P agreed that themselves. The request for compensation from Dr. K, however, took a different route. Um, The lawyers were unable, so this is the patient's lawyers to be clear, were unable to support their claim of psychological harm to Master L with a psychiatrist's report, as of course the permanent successes erupted uneventfully and quite quickly, and there was no evidence of actual harm. So consequently, after a very stressful period of time to Dr. K, the claim was dropped. Well, that's good to know. It would have been very stressful for both practitioners. Yeah, very much
0: so. So a take-home message I have from listening to these cases is that it's important to discuss any mid-treatment change to the treatment plan with the patient before
1: undertaking the additional treatment. Yeah, it absolutely is. And this is amplified if the treatment is elective, cosmetic or irreversible in nature. It's also important to remember that the consent for a specific procedure on a specific tooth doesn't automatically extend to the same procedure on other teeth, nor does treatment being repeated in the future. It is not like a catch-all. You need to reconfirm the patient's consent. So application of fluoride is a good example here, isn't it? Just because they've had it before doesn't mean that they're willing to have it again. Absolutely. And finally, remember that whether the treatment is free or a charge attached, the patient's valid consent to that treatment must always be sought. An important point too, and easy to see how this could be
0: overlooked in the moment. So thanks, Annalene, and thank you all for listening. And we do hope this podcast was helpful to you and look forward to sharing some more guidance with you on the future. If you like dental protection podcasts and would like to hear more, please subscribe and leave a review.